Hi, and welcome to the Your Good News podcast with me, Catherine Getty. It's easy to believe the news around us that the world is dark and the future is the same. But what if we chose something different? What if we chose to find the good news in each day? This podcast is a collection of interviews with friends, mentors, colleagues on their good news. From business to health to politics and everything in between, it's my hope that you leave with a boost and find your good news. I feel like I say this every time, but I am so excited for y'all to hear this next interview with my dear friend, Hunter Wallace. He's a Southern belle with city sass from Alabama to DC to Seattle and Denver. Don't worry, we go through all of that. He's hopped around this country, discovering what fills his cup outside of a large glass of wine and the true meaning behind loving yourself. In this episode, we discuss his journey and how he has found his true north. We delve into listening to your gut and the idea of being enough. So, so much goodness in this episode. Without further ado, my interview with Hunter Wallace. Hunter, I couldn't be more pumped for this conversation. I feel like I now say this at the beginning of every episode, um, but I'm uniquely really excited to see you and to talk to you today and to have everyone hear your story. So as I begin every episode, Hunter, what's your good news? Oh my gosh, what a loaded question you have to ask me. (laughs) Um, What is my good news? I think that the good news that's occurred over the past two years is unapologetically living my life as Hunter Wallace and not caring at all. I care, don't get me wrong. I I apologize where I need to. I'm sensitive in certain areas, but when it comes to me as an individual, every day waking up and unapologetically being myself, whether it is the is the gayest person in the entire world, the hardest working person in the entire world, the laziest person in the entire world. I truly do. I've just kind of come to terms with it over the past couple of years. And it's been a really pretty beautiful journey. Don't get me wrong. There's been ups and downs, but it's been a beautiful journey. And that's, yeah, that's, that's my good news. Hunter, I feel like that's an amazing place to start with this conversation. And I I know everyone's going to get to see your Instagram. We're going to sh- put in the show notes and you do show up unapologetically you. And I think that that is something that I learn from all the time. And I'm so excited to get to this conversation in the pre-show. I was able to share with the listeners your background. So you have bebopped from Alabama to DC, to Seattle, to Denver, and staying true to yourself. And I think you've said you kind of grew into that. Share with me a little bit more about your journey. Yeah, it has been, I mean... Ladies and gentlemen, me and Catherine go back, I would probably say like five or six years, maybe even longer when we were living, we worked in the same building at one point and I would sneak down to the second floor and, and pass by security to get in and, and talk to Catherine and, oh my God, Grafton, my sweet baby nugget, Grafton. <laughs> and yeah, it's been such an interesting journey. I spent my time in DC almost five years to then secretly pick up my life in the middle of the night and moved to Seattle. And uh, I remember leaving and everyone's like, where are you going? What are you doing? Not telling anyone. And uh, moving to Seattle and working on a, a potential presidential campaign that was so hush-hush. I think I spent the first six months not even be able to say anything when I moved there. 
And then I've now made my way to Denver. So I have truly just dotted. My parents are hoping that I go DC, Seattle, Denver, and I'm slowly making my way back to Alabama. Love you, mom and dad. It's not going to happen. A homosexual in Alabama is just not the game I want to play right now. But the journey has just been, it's been so interesting. You, when you, when you pick up your life and you move to a city where you don't know anyone, all you have is yourself. That's the only person you have. You have your phone, you are able to call people, you've got Instagram, all these different ways to communicate with people, but really all you have is yourself. And so to quote that book, Eat, Pray, Love, like you truly do have to fall in love with who you are. And it is a long journey because as you know, I I had come out of the closet probably maybe only a year and a half, two years prior to leaving DC. And then I'm sitting in this scenario where like, I was still living the same life. I just now was dating men. And then I took myself to Seattle, which is the most miraculous, beautiful, gloomy, crazy city where I was able to, for the first time, I tell a lot of my friends this, I call it my second coming out. I came out again because I walked into a city where I didn't have to explain who I was. I didn't know any of these individuals. And so I was able to show up as the true and present form of Hunter. And that, that in and of itself was one of the most releasing and freeing moments to not have to talk about all of your past or where you see your future going, but really just walking in and standing in a bar at a coffee shop. And as you know, I talk to everyone and just being me and just whether my voice was too gay, whether my voice wasn't gay enough, whether my, I didn't pro, like project masculinity. I just walked in as Hunter and that was one of those pivotal moments in my journey. I mean, how have you developed those skills to, to show up as yourself? I think it sounds like we all want to do that, but sometimes yeah. feels so scary, you know, for people who are kind of out there thinking, man, I really want to just show up as me. What have you had to do along the way to really be you fully? There is a, there is a phrase that I heard a couple of years ago and it cracks me up to this day and it's not crass, but it just is what it is. When you walk into a room, you're walking in as yourself and you're going to make impressions. Catherine, people are going to love you. People are going to hate you. People are going to be indifferent about you. I have learned Over the past couple of years, when I leave that room, and some people might not like to hear this, but it's what I have to do for myself. I don't give a shit if you talk about me when I leave. Because at the end of the day, this is the phrase I learned, if they're still talking shit or they're talking shit about you, they're still wasting their breath and they're talking about you. And Mm -hmm. it just allowed me to release. It just truly allowed for me to walk out of a room and just remember that I've got to carry on with my life because those individuals are carrying on with their lives. And if they happen to carry on with their life while talking about me, they're still talking about me. And it's such a weird, and it's like, it's not ego. It's not anything of that nature. It's just, you kind of have to let it roll off your back because you're going to make an impression and it's going to be positive or it's going to be negative or it could be indifferent, but it's out of your control because the perceptions of you are truly based on someone else's intake. If that, does that make sense? It does. It's like you're the way you kind of frame it now and how you show up is like, it's not, it's more about how their perceptions are. It's not about how you are. It's not how you, you know, you know fully how you want to show up and how you are showing up, how they perceive it. Now, if it's, you know, if you, if we say something bad, we're going to obviously apologize, but like, but it's like, I think it's, 
I think that's a really unique way to look at it and saying, you know, it's on you how you take this in. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and litigate your emotions and your feelings because we all have experiences. It it's so true and I will never there was actually this this past weekend I dressed up for Halloween. I put on a tutu, a see-through shirt, five-inch heels, a wig, and makeup. It was the first time I ever dressed up. I wouldn't say drag because I still had my beard, and I haven't seen my face in seven years, so I'm not shaving that beard because I look like an infant. But I truly just walked in, and it was so freeing to walk in and be like, hey, it's me. I don't really care if you don't like what I'm wearing because I'm dressing for me. I'm doing this for me. And if you take that kind of perspective into it, it allows for you to kind of walk, you allows for you to walk freely. I remember in Seattle one time I had a friend, Joe, and he said to me, he goes, you really just like rock Lululemon in a jean jacket and your fanny pack. And you just walk into a room and you just like, you just don't, you just don't care what the perception is because you're so comfortable with your mentality and like what you're presenting. And it really, t- I mean, it don't, holy shit, it's taken so long to this point. And we would all be hip- hypocrites if we didn't say that at times we fall back into like, oh, I wonder if that person thought I was attractive or not. That shit happens. Mm-hmm. But it really is such a freeing moment to kind of like be able to be very present in who you are. Well, I think you keep saying the word free. And I feel like that word for me, like, I don't know if I'm feeling some type of way today, but it's like, it's scary to be free. Do you ever have moments where you're like, oh, I'd rather be checking boxes or I'd rather like, how do you kind of get past those voices or do you have those voices that want to hold you back? It happened today when I posted an Instagram story of my absurdity of taking my makeup off and like my eye, my eyebrow or my like eyelids being parchment paper and like crepe paper because of how sensitive I was a little timid, intimidated of posting it in the beginning because I was like, oh, this might be a too absurd for people or like, oh, some of my coworkers might see it and they don't know that sometimes I throw on makeup. And but then I just remember just sitting there being like, it's that when people get unfollowed, if you don't want to, unf- if you want to unfollow me, that just means you don't want to be a part of my life. And that's OK with me. It's just I mm-hmm. remember pressing send and having like a minute of anxiety and like yeah. living, living in that moment of, of free and truly trying to like, you have to get to that mental state in your life where, and it's that, that cliche, it's, you know, this is the one life that we have, you know, albeit whatever you may believe in reincarnation, one with the earth, whatever it may be, like, this is the one life you lead. You never know if you walk out the door, you could be hit by a bus. I mean, like, you know, not to get all morbid on the pot, but it is, it is, it's just, I try and look at life that way and like, no, don't get me started about anxiety because I just heard you breathe so deep and I, because we both feel it like anxiety is the, is the, is the inner workings of our brains trying to fight against us. And I live with it every single day, but it is. And just being free and, and having those moments and living in those moments of happiness, not questioning why we're happy or living in those moments of sadness and like sitting with those moments of sadness. It's really freeing because when you think about like where I am unapologetically, like is like, I'm going to sit with that sadness. I'm going to sit with that anxiety. Do I want to push it away and like, you know, smoke a joint and forget about it and laugh at some <laughs> stupid movie? You bet your ass. But you sit with it, it really does free you because once you kind of like hit it, once you hit that nail on the head, 
it kind of like goes away a little bit and it'll spur yeah. its head, but it does go away. I, someone once said to me with, you know, anxiety or bad feelings or whatever it may be, you got to go, you got to address it. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. Cause it's going to come back. I, th- I think about all the time, like things that I've like experienced. I'm like, I just have to deal with these family things that I don't want to deal with or this eating disorder that I ignored or whatever yeah. it may be versus does it still come back? Absolutely. Like, yeah. but like, I think it's important that people remind themselves to like, I think our society is sometimes built on the short term avoidance versus the actually, I mean, my therapist, my best friend, I feel like I've said that a thousand times. <laughs> Friday my three. Uh, listen, Keegan, who I just got off with, no lie, 20 minutes before we started this pod, uh, he is my person. All my friends know who Keegan is. I'm like, oh, I had a mm-hmm. conversation with Keegan and, and like, it's not even questioned who my therapist is. But I said something to him one time that I think he's actually going to resonate with you a substantial amount. And it's very funny as to who it came from. It came from a drag queen. And which is, I am all about Trixie and Katya. Hello, Trixie Mattel and Katya Zamalachkova. If you're listening, you never are. I love you so much. She said on her, on a podcast or her show one time, the mind's ability to find flaw in the magnificent will always baffle me. Meaning, think about that for a second. We sit in a moment of pure beauty. Listen, think of the nights that we went all went out in DC or you still go out and you go have cocktails, you go have drinks. It could be five and a half hours of fun. We are going to focus on that one damn aspect and it sits with us and it causes anxiety because I shouldn't have said this or I said this or, oh, was I coming on too strong? It, I When I have those moments, you want to speak of freedom? When I have those moments, I think of Katya's weird ass saying that out loud and I'm like, snap out of it. Snap out of it because if we constantly live in that nonsense – how the hell are we going to go have fun and go dance? And like, it's that dance. Like no one's watching live your life. Like as if it's yours alone, like all those phrases are so cliche, but they're cliche for a reason because people try to live by them. Well, and I think it's like people so often don't want to do it. They like think they do it for a little bit. And it's like, it's a consistency thing. Like I know, like, I'm having a day like that. It's a day. I'm going to have sushi for dinner. I'm going to like watch a movie and I'm going to like journal it out and I'm going to go on for my next day and not let it like sit. But it's, I don't know. I think it's so easy now to like, I don't know. I I don't know if I'd be interested to your thoughts and I'm going off script of the things, you know, because that's, that's our normal conversation. How social media has impacted that, you know, like you read, you read my mind, you read my mind. I, I think about the curated and how, you know, you'll get stuck on it. And I'm just like, I get zapped into this, like, oh, my life isn't. And I'm like, the person I am today is a whole heck of a better version of myself than I was five years ago or 10 years ago. Now, do I like that person from five years ago? 100%. Still love yeah. her. But I can't let get caught in the curated Instagram, social media. I'm doing lots of flailing around. Sorry. Um, I, I sit with that a lot because there are, there are two versions. There are two versions of me. And if I go radio silent on Instagram or social media, it's because I'm processing. I personally will never be the kind of person. I will speak to my friends. And if someone asks me, like, is everything Okay. I am unfiltered. I would be like, I am full of anxiety at the moment. 
Um, my mind is in a thousand directions. Am I happy where I am? But the curation of Instagram, like my post I did today, it was joyous. It was, uh, you know, one of those moments of like, I thought I was brilliant and hysterical and it is what it is. But where I do not act in accordance with like how Instagram puts stuff is I cannot compare my life to someone on Instagram because we put on Instagram, quote unquote, the best parts of ourselves is exactly what we do. And it's so hard to remember that sometimes because I'll see my friends in DC. I'll see my friends in New York and Seattle and the places that I've loved for so long and have traveled to and have lived in. And I'm like, oh, they're having the best time. And then I get a text message from a friend who just posted something like, hey, can I call you later? I'm going through something. And I'm like, aha moment. And you know why we do it sometimes too. We do it to piss other people off. We want to rise something out of someone. We want someone to feel a certain type of way. I... I recently just ended a just ended a relationship. It's a very amicable ending. And one thing that has actually crossed my mind is I hope he isn't seeing this as me trying to rub it in his face because I'm not. And that's the, it's so weird that you're bringing this up because it is something that has hit me in these past couple of days that I have posted. It's not directed at him. It's not directed at any past relationship or anyone in particular. Like, you know how when someone posts a music to their mm-hmm. Instagram mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like, Never thought I'd love again. And I'm like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> like, I know what you're doing. And it's like, but I also am the kind of person who's like, if I was to post that, it's like, I don't want people to think I'm going through heartbreak. I just, Leon is my favorite artist and I want to post about her. I think she's amazing, but it is, how do you, how do you deal with it in particular? It's interesting that you, I definitely see the getting rise in someone else. Sometimes it's getting a rise in myself. It's like psyching my own self up or I've noticed like, especially like posting about like the podcast, I have so much, it sometimes I have to like get myself there and I get worried that someone thinks that like it's a positivity podcast or it's only trying to shine a light on good things. And I'm like, "Mm, no, that's the exact opposite of what I'm trying to do. So it's, I think it's interesting how we kind of how the lens of social media, we see it through our own kind of things that I need to talk to Allison about on Friday, you know? <laughs> it is it is so perception-based and it's how we build it out for ourselves. And, you know, we do see, you know, this Instagram person that has 100,000 followers and they're living the life and they're sponsored. I also don't want that life. Like if if I get a million followers, it's because I want it to be unequivocally me and I'm just being a goofball. I mean, like Benny drama, for instance, I'm icon legend moment. She is the moment. And it is truly like, I love him so much, but like, you know, he's not going to post about his, his downsides, but like he's posting for comedy to help lift other people up. And that's kind of how I try and view it is I try and pick lenses. And also like, it's so easy to snap to anger sometimes on Instagram and post too. Cause you're like, I know you were drunk and you just broke up with your boyfriend. I know you just acting all this shit for that reason. But like, it's, this is the word we have to remember actually. And it's hitting me right now. It's an outlet. Mm. That's the word I think we have to kind of remember too. It's an outlet, whether creatively, emotionally, it's an outlet for some of these people. I mean, it's, for me, it's a time to showcase like my absurdities and my flexibilities because for some reason at 30 years old, I can still do a split you know, though I went to the hospital a year and a half ago because I thought I popped my hip out of place. 
<laughs> my mom and dad don't know that story. And I have the, on my kitchen counter or my kitchen uh, fridge, no one can see this, but I have the armband. One of my, this is such a sidetrack. My ass drank tequila on the first time meeting new people in Denver. I moved to Denver six days before the shutdown. I spend three months alone. First time I go out, I drink tequila. I drop it into a split to Whitney Houston's I want to dance with somebody. I hear something pop. I don't know what it is. I act it out. I play it out. I'm like, we good. I wake up the next morning. I go to sit on the toilet because I sit to pee because whatever. And (laughs) I literally couldn't sit down. I was like, I popped my hip out of place. I walked into that ER. I didn't realize I'd also gone to a children's hospital. I didn't go to a regular hospital. So everything was miniature size. And I walk in and like, is everything okay? And I was like, I I think I popped my hip out of place. Fast forward. And the doctor comes in. He's like, what were you doing? I was like, oh, I was doing static lunges to stretch before a long run. And he goes, what'd you really do? And I go, I dropped into a split with tequila. He goes, there it is. The entire, no one was in the hospital. It's COVID times. No, all the nurses stationed just dies out laughing. Because they could all hear me because it was dead silent. Yeah. I don't know how we got on that subject, but I, I, I love it. And I think it's an, I think like what, it's such a good reminder of the outlet. Like, I feel like that's really, I'm going to sit with that tonight. Um, and something that's kind of now I want to weave in is the word enough, because I feel like that conjures, I mean, such strong emotions. Like I feel like very often I have to, I, you know, journal each morning and I'll write a mantra and how many days it says I'm enough. Like, it is hard. It is hard to remember that. And I mean, how do you balance those inner voices? I mean, I think it's a daily (laughs) minute by minute situation sometimes. You want to talk about having to remember the word enough? My ass has it tattooed on my body. I literally have it tattooed on my body in my handwriting. Thank you very much. And it is one of the hardest things. And I have it not only tattooed on my arm, I have it written on my mirror like a sociopath. In my bathroom, I have the words "love," "drive," "success," and "enough" written on my written on my mirror. And I don't look at them every day because you're in a hurry. You're going to the gym. You got yeah. a six thirty class. You come back. You need to quickly get in a shower because my offices are East Coast based, so I try and get on time for them. And the word "enough," I'll never forget it. I was in San Francisco. I try and take one trip a year by myself. No friends. I go to restaurants. I go to a bar. As you know, I. Like I said, I talk to everybody, so it doesn't take me long to find a friend or someone who's planning my death, and I just don't know about it. And, <laughs> and um, how I haven't been murdered, murdered in a city is quite questionable, like in my personal opinion. But and I was sitting in, I was having the best time. I was in San Francisco. It was my first time. I'd gone for New Year's. I went to New Year's by myself. I lived in Seattle for three months, and I was like, I'm going to take a New Year's trip by myself. Beautiful Airbnb, right in the Mission Dolores, and I'm like running around. I did Soul Cycle, I did Berries. I went to four of the best restaurants in, in this area. Every night I came home and I was talking shit to myself, talking shit. I was like, ooh, you're not, you're not skinny enough. You're kind of fat. Oh, no one wanted to come on this trip with you. Oh, that person at the restaurant didn't want to talk to you. I was brushing my teeth. I was, enough for me has two meanings. I was brushing my teeth and I, I remember taking the toothbrush on my, and slamming my hands on the kitchen, on the bathroom sink. And I just looked in the mirror. I said, that's enough. I was like, I literally screamed. That's enough. I'm not, I'm over. I'm done. And I said to myself, cause I have one tattoo. It's of how old I, it's XXV. How old I was when I came out 25 later in life for some early for others. I said to myself, if I repeat this mantra in my head, I will get that tattoo. On the three-year anniversary of my coming out, um, I got the word 
enough tattooed on my body. And it is a dual meaning for me. And this is where, where you need to add, add the second part to it. So the one is I am enough in love. I am enough in work. I am enough for my friends. I'm enough for myself. I'm enough in that sense. Also, this is where I do it. Enough, enough with the negativity and self fucking hate. Like we stand in our own ways and I might be standing in my own ways in five inch heels looking like a dime piece, but I'm still, I'm still standing in my own way. And I have to truly remember that because you know, there's a stupid phrase and it's like, it's egotistical, but it was, it was out of a comedy show, but it kind of sat me in this weird way. And it's rule number, rule number one, I am number one to myself. Rule number two, you're number two. Rule number three, remember rules one and two. Like, because you just have to, if you don't put yourself first in certain scenarios Mm -hmm. and you're always looking out for other people. And as you know, I'm a carer and I love, and I want to make sure people are fine but I really do have to remember that sometimes. Go, I have to go on a walk. I have to go listen to a podcast by myself. Uh, your Good News podcast. Oh, branding. And it really is like it's that, that enough word, having that dual meaning. Because not only telling yourself that you're enough, but also telling yourself enough with the fucking self-hate. Like get, get out of here, demons. Like mm. bo- see you later. Bye-bye. I mean, Mike, motherfucking drop. Like that... <laughs> I, you know, I've never, I think it's a really, I am, I'm an empath. I feel everyone's feelings. I do everything for everyone else. Um, And I think that like, I don't know if it's the time of year, but it's like, I just am like the well is dry. And I always remember this phrase. It's like, you can't pour from an empty cup. I'm, I'm empty. (laughs) You know, it's, I don't know. I hope, I hope people out there are like, they really hear that section and and just sit with it. And 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 to your point, and this is something that we both we also to add a word to you of what we are is we are perceptive. We read people. That's why we, you know, I'm still a fundraiser. I still read people for a living. Like that is what I'm supposed to do. And we feel emotions, we see emotions, we read them, we digest them, we sit with them. Mm-hmm. And as my cup is truly now about to be empty as I drink my water, one thing you need to tell yourself is, okay, it's empty. And that's okay. Like telling yourself that's okay is such a huge like mm. pat on the back, self-help, because I will have people, I've had someone recently just be like, and it was a it was a eye-opening, beautiful moment. And he said to me over the phone, it was one of my best friends here. Ryan said to me, he goes, you sound defeated. He said this to me on the phone and I'm sitting there and it was so funny because as you know, I'm very like chipper and peppy and I can put on a face because that's what we were trained to do in our careers. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, it caught me so off guard, but it also opened my eyes and I was like, oh, I am tired. Oh, I am defeated. Like, and that's okay. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's the one thing that we, we forget sometimes is like, Oh, but I can't be sad because as two extroverts who are secretly introverts mm-hmm. and need their recharge time, mm-hmm. how many times, I'm going to ask you a real fucking question here. How many times when you don't show up as Catherine, is everything okay? Yeah. That was today. 18 questions about how I'm not okay. And then I'm like, well, the gig is up. Like people realize like the gig is up. Like 
And I just think that it's like I beat myself up so much for getting to a point where I'm dry that then it like becomes this little like shame spiral fuck shit thing. (laughs) It's awful. You know, that didn't make sense, but it did in my mind. But you know what I'm saying? Like it made it makes sense to me. And like just practice this phrase. I said this to my boss the other day. I recently just went through a breakup and I told my boss and she was like, take the day off. She's like, take the day off. Go sit with your emotions. I was like, yes, bitch. I'm out of here. I'm going to go drink while my friends and we're going to do the damn thing. I'm out. But one thing that she has actually taught me, because we come from the world of politics, where it's like, if you don't show up, you're not doing your job. It's like, no, no, no. I've showed up 250% every other time. And the phrase that I've used, and I said, I'm having an off day. So I'm going to stay and I'm going to do my admin work. I'm going to get what I need to get done, but I'm going to have like, I'm, a, I'm having an off day, but I've showed up and I'm going to get what I need to get done. And I'm going to show up recharged tomorrow. I have been practicing all you, all you podcast listeners out there practice this word. I am truly practicing vulnerability. Other people with myself coming to people with my arms wide open I talked in a meeting today about showing donors vulnerability, acknowledging our flaws and how we have not showed up for them. Like, I think that that speaks so many volumes when you acknowledge, and we all talk about like acknowledge your flaws as a company, acknowledge your flaws as a human being. And like, I'm having Mm -hmm. an off day. I got broken up with, we had an amicable breakup, very adult, beautiful sentiments, have nothing wrong to say about him, but it's just like, I'm having an off day. I need to be vulnerable. And I need to, I like, talk to my friend, Joe and Ryan. I'm like, I just need you to sit there. I just want you to sit mm-hmm. there. Let me process and just showing up in that mentality. You know, I think it's, it's a good reminder to like, you, you've said it a couple of times and I'm really ruminating on it is the sitting with the emotions. And I think to another point you said is people ask you all the time, like, what can I do for you? Or what do you need? And sometimes it's like, I just need you to do the sushi order and throw on a movie and us just sit, you know, like what I'm doing after this. Listen, one of my favorite phrases in the entire world is with all due respect, fuck off. (laughs) It's just like, it's, it's, it's so beautifully eloquent. It's kind of like that Southern mentality of bless your heart, Mm -hmm. but it's like with all due respect, fuck off. Mm. And as empaths and perceptive human beings who want to care for others and make sure that their cup is full, even though in your case right now, your cup is slightly depleted, if not fully, it's just like, you know, mama, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to eat my sushi. I'm going to watch my stupid shows. I might read a book. I am in a legal state of marijuana. I might smoke a joint. I'm going to do what I need to do in order to get myself right. Because then, you know what that does? That allows you to show up then at some point. Mm. But what we have to remember is showing up for ourselves. Because if we don't show up for ourselves, okay, everyone mm. in this world knows RuPaul, RuPaul Charles, uh, a drag race fandom. She said something at the end of every show. And God, I am such a gay person and I love it. And she truly says at the end of every show, if you can't love yourself, how the hell you're going to love somebody? Mm. Can I get an amen up in here, mama? Yeah. Mm. And it actually, it's so true. And it's on this like funny, amazing creativity, like, but like comical show, but she ends it every single time. And it's so true. I mean, I think 
speaking about the love, it's like you have also talked about surrounding yourselves with love and finding the love. You know, how have you found those meaningful relationships? Has it been difficult with a move or has it been easier than you expected? Talk a little bit more on that. Yeah. Finding love in friendships has been something that has been so beautifully eye-opening. I have, you know, as I've moved four times in my life, um, three in adulthood, it is very eye-opening. You lose friends. And and it's not that you lose friends. It's just that, you know, my psychiatrist or my therapist says, you only have room in your in your brain for seven people at all times. Huh. So when you move, those people are still in your life. And thank God for text messages and group chats, because it does. It brings the resurgence back up and brings about a beautiful remembrance of those people and what you had. But as I've moved these different times, don't get me wrong. I have been a part of friend groups and I'm like, I do not like any of you. I've been a part of friend groups and I'm like, I don't know how I'm leaving you. When I left Seattle and I left my boys in Seattle, it was one of the most devastating things for me. I mean, like almost as devastating as DC. And I was in DC for five years. I was in Seattle for two. And it was one of those times where like you just, you know, you met, I met people that were not introduced via work or like, you know, past life experiences. And it was of just, I chose these friends and they chose Mm -hmm. me. And uh, I have a beautiful like friend group here in Denver too. I love them so much. Like I have a pact with my friends, Joe and Keaton and Ryan and Parker that like, if we are to move, we have to have a group. We have to have a board meeting and we all have to agree if the person can fucking move. It's a, it's a little bit much. We are, we're a bit much, but you have to surround yourselves with and this obviously takes time, who will check you at the door, who will cry mm-hmm. with you, who will unleash on you, who will laugh with you and truly like never. And this is the phrase that will never dim your light. Mm-hmm. When I go to dinner and I get those boys laughing, mama, it's a comedy show. I'm, I, I get them laughing one time. We were watching Parent Trap on Sunday. We do Sunday Chinese dinner. We do Chinese dinner and we all go to each other's houses and we watch a movie and we chill and have dinner together. It's my favorite family tradition. It's just wonderful. And we were watching uh, Parent Trap and I was ad-libbing over Parent Trap and I got them laughing and I just was like, I'm not stopping because it's just fun. And like we build each other up and we have heartfelt times. My friend Ryan was going through a work change and, you know, going over to his house and having a glass of wine and talking through it and <laughs> friendships. And this is one thing that I really remember is like, what I think I've, excuse me, one thing I've found is that friendships, especially as you get older or, or they, your, your number diminishes, but the ability to be with each other and really have genuine, thoughtful conversations that are not just, oh my God, I got so drunk last weekend. Oh my God, did you see so-and-so dancing? Oh my God, I dropped into a split and popped my hamstring and I had to go to the hospital. Um, no, it is it is such a, it's so great to like have ups and downs with these people. It really is. And it's taken time because, you know, you have to fall in love with yourself and you have to be very comfortable when you walk in that room and you let your freak flag fly. And mama, I got 19 freak flags that are hanging in my closet. And I can pull them all out at once or I can show them slowly but surely. Or I can like, like I said, like undubitably and like unquestionably like and unapologetically walk into the room as myself. Well, I think it's as I'm sitting here, I'm like checking myself on some friends that I'm like, (laughs) whoa, 
Don't know if they check those boxes. I mean, but I think you're right. I think that oftentimes, like, another interesting thing on it is, like, how do you navigate being friends with people? And you're like, I would not choose this person, but they are friends with one of my closest friends. And navigating those emotions and not self-dimming your light to fit into the box. Does that make sense? Am I making... No, it makes complete and utter sense mm, you know and you know you know the you know the dc game i oh i know the dc game but also we both know who we were just thinking of in our separate lives we we're like that motherfucker i again i cannot control their emotions and their perceptions of me and here's here's the bad mama jamma if you have a problem with me come on with it bring it up Bring, come to me because at the end of the day, I said this, we, we had like a bit of a tiff within the, a greater friend group, you know, what we like to call acquaintances that are part of the greater friend group. And this actually speaks pretty well to it. And a phrase that I would said to my friend was, I was like, I just don't care if they have a beef with me because in about 95% of it, I've done nothing wrong. It's my presence that causes an issue. And I can't help combat what they're thinking and their hatred and anxiety towards me. And at the end of the day, you might be thinking about me, but mama, I am not thinking about you. And Mm. that is so rough and can become off egotistical and come off that way. But I think we have to, we have to, because think about the times that we have sat in those emotions of like that person and you might've pissed that person off or like, and you're not even friends with them, Catherine, you're not even friends mm-hmm. with them. And you're sitting there being like, Oh God, I, I wonder what their perceptions are. And I'm just like, I have to focus on my friends. I have to focus on my family. I have to focus on me. I have to focus on my job because I want to keep buying Lululemon and I want to keep enjoying my trips with these individuals and going to see my family. So yeah, it's, it's so hard because when we sit with some of those people, sometimes I'm not going to sit there and cause a ruckus. Mm-hmm. If, if um, uh, let's, for instance, if Ryan was friends with someone that I didn't particularly like, I'm not going to be that bug in Ryan's ear. Cause if that person's been with him for 14 years, I'm not going to be the person to be like, they're not my cup of tea. If it's asked and be like, you don't seem to be vibing well with that person. I'm like, yeah, you know, like, Uh, they're just not my person. Like you're my person and that's who I care about. And if that person brings you happiness, great. But like, you know, do I want to go to dinner every Friday with this person? No, you know, you can cut me in and out at times if you want to, I'm not going to be upset by it, but it's also having that confidence of yourself of being like, am I going to be upset if they go and hang out with that person? Because, you know, with every emotion we have, there is the devil's, the devil's version on the other side. Mm. Lord knows we know that. That is the T. Okay, let's let's bring this puppy home. What's one oh. other piece of advice? I feel like you've just given us so much today to think about from how to be unapologetically ourselves to the importance of falling in love with yourself to being vulnerable to being present and making that your choice. I mean, there's so many other nuggets that we we have shared you've shared today. What's is there anything else you want to share with listeners? What I, yeah. And the thing that I will say is I want to take it back to like one of the things that sits with me constantly, find those moments where your brain finds a flaw in the magnificent and tell it to shut the hell up. Because if we, I think everyone in the world, me in particular, I've just heard it from you is 
Like we question why we're happy sometimes. And it's like, sometimes it's not a question. Sometimes you're just allowed to be happy. And I was just on with my therapist and we were talking about it. He goes, why the fuck are you like questioning your happiness? He's like, be happy. You've had a good day. You got a lot of stuff done at work. You're going to dinner with your friends tonight. You had an amazing workout. You're going to a workout tomorrow and you're going to celebrate your friend. That's an instructor tomorrow. Like he's like, just live in your happiness. And like, He's like, you don't have to be sad because of, you know, the breakup in your life is changing. Your life is changing. And, you know, it's okay to lean into your coping mechanisms. It's okay to like be happy even during a sad moment because it's your brain Mm -hmm. truly just sitting there saying, we're going to get through this. And I will say this, and it's something that I battle a lot with someone who battles with anxiety and as someone who has depression, addiction, and bipolar that runs in my family. I mean, like truly in my bloodline, I have to, I really do have to truly like sit with these emotions, but also understand and remember like at the end of the day, here it is. Past experiences do not determine your future. Plain and simple. You are enough. You will continue to be enough. And past experiences are not going to determine your future. It's how you take them in the moment and do not. And I've done this in past relationships. I really have. But remembering that don't let one phrase be a trigger that is going to deteriorate everything else. Just let the phrase be the phrase. Sometimes you don't, I try and diagnose my therapist says I'm intellectual, which is the first time I've ever heard that shit come out of anyone's mouth. But what he meant by it was that I think too much about a word, a phrase, a meaning, a perception. And sometimes you just need to listen to it and let it go and stop letting your past experiences determine your future. And remember that you're enough and enough of the negativity and self-hate. Should I just go down the entire gambit of every fucking piece of wisdom I've given today? <laughs> I mean, my my brain is swimming and I think that everyone's <laughs> going to so enjoy the conversation and I'm... I mean, I feel like I'm so grateful. I've always been so grateful that we crossed paths at 320 First Street, what up? You know, and you just thank you for being you because it's a good reminder that it's okay to be fully ourselves. And I needed that reminder today. So I know someone out there is going to need it too. And, you know, we have to, even from past job experiences, from being straight to gay, from former Republican to independent, left-leaning, like we really do have to give ourselves some grace here and Mm. allow ourselves to evolve. Like if you, you know, one thing that pees me in the world today is when someone changes their opinion and then people bring it up and they're like, how dare you? You used to say this. And it's like, well, yeah, I got new information and I changed my mind. Is that not okay? And that's what we have to allow for ourselves. Like, God forbid you change your mind on your perception of, oh, I'm not fat. I'm sexy. Oh, my circles aren't, aren't a bad thing about me. They're what bring my life to face as I cover them in concealer. Um, but like, yeah, you just really do have to allow yourself to change, allow yourself to remember you're enough and find, instead of finding flaw in the magnificent, recognizing the magnificent. Come on now. Mm, I feel like that's a, that's a place to, to end today. And I am. Um... I'm so pumped for everyone to hear this episode. It's going to be amazing. And I think I I'm going to have to re-listen to it 18 times. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just make this a, a every other month scenario and I will come and just... Uh, I and mean... We'll just, we'll just kiki. We'll just kiki. 
how freaking fun was that conversation? I am still buzzing from all the nuggets that he dropped. It's it's my hope that you take some of them with you. May it be the idea of being enough or being vulnerable or truly loving yourself. There are so many good reminders he shared with us. So much good news. I can't wait to hear your feedback on this episode. If you liked, please share, subscribe, rate, and review. And join us next week for another episode of the Your Good News Podcast.